Oh, good morning. I am so glad we're meeting in the mornings now instead of the afternoons. Because the whole time we met at 2 o'clock, I came to church and said, Good morning to everybody. Finally, I can, I can be right. It's wonderful. Well, again, it's Mother's Day, so all you mothers out there, uh, I hope you enjoy one day of people over-appreciating you to make up for the 364 days of the year that they under-appreciate you. Before I get into the sermon this morning, I want to talk about what's going to happen here at Crossway Church over the next six to seven months. When Pastor John came to me a couple months ago and he asked if I would do pulpit supply again during the time that uh, we're going to be without uh, a pastor, I said no. I didn't want to do that. I said, I don't want to be pulpit supply. I want to be the intern pastor. I want to fill in. I want to do everything a pastor does during this time. And so the board had to talk about that. Uh, And they said, okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, you can be the interim pastor. And I said, okay, that's two. I'm going to preach on Sunday morning. I'll be the interim pastor. Let's go for the hat trick. So I asked the board, would you let me lead in the search for the new pastor? I have a program that I've been involved in. And uh, I, I think it would be a lot of help. And the board said, okay, we'll pray about that. And they came back and said, okay, you can do that. So I want to tell you a little bit about what that means, this program that we're using to find a new pastor. First of all, we're putting together a pastoral search team. And it's going to be made up of the different demographic representatives of the church, And uh, there's a handbook that they're going to use to to walk through it. And that team is going to work hard over the next six months to, to put together, well, we have one goal, finding God's man for this church. And we've got to go through a lot of stuff. You've got to kiss a lot of frogs to find a prince, you know. So we're going to, we're going to be working on that. But we need your help. Uh, We're going to ask you to fill out a couple surveys. Um, The first one, we want you to evaluate what you feel are the strengths and weaknesses of our church. Uh, We need you to be honest if we're going to represent our church correctly to possible candidates that might be considering our church. Because they're going to want to know what's this church. They're interviewing us as much as we're interviewing them. So... We're going to be doing this survey. And then we're going to do another survey. And that is, what do you want to see in a new pastor? What characteristics? Now, of course, we all want the perfect pastor, right? You know, we want tens across the board. The the survey is going to allow you to prioritize attributes. And This is going to help the board as we interact with individuals that might become our next pastor. The task force will keep you informed regularly of our progress and what's going on. We're going to need your prayers. We're going to need your help. We're going to need your engagement in this whole process 
to, to make it work. Now, I'm going to be the primary speaker on Sunday morning for about six months. Pastor Chad's last week is, uh, what, the first week in June, I believe. And then I'll be preaching after that. And I'm planning on doing a series on each of these three topics. I want to share them with you, hopefully to kind of prime the pump a little bit. Um, the first series I want to do is a series we're calling Understanding the Bible. We're going to look at the Bible as a whole. We're going, to, we're going to see the general themes that run through the Bible. And this will enable you to quickly identify the context of Scripture, which will help you better understand the meaning of any scriptural passage because you understand the context of it. The second series I want to do, we're calling Understanding Christian Growth. In this series, we're going to identify the building blocks needed in developing your spiritual life. This will enable you to identify what's needed in, in your spiritual life, in your daily walk with God. The third series I want to do is called Understanding the Church. And in this series, we're going to identify what is the church and what is it supposed to be doing. And this will enable us as a church to identify our task as a church and see maybe where we need to make some changes. I'm really looking forward to the next six months. We're going to miss Pastor Chad and his wife and kids. You know, there's, there's going to be that, it's going to be grief, okay, because we're losing something. There's going to be grief. But at the same time, I'm hoping that six months, in my prayer and the board's prayer, is God's going to use that time to strengthen us as a church. Uh, I'm, prepare, I'm going to prepare the landing field so the next pastor can land the plane, you know. So I'm excited about that. I hope you're excited about that. Sometimes people look at that transition period between one pastor and another pastor, and they say, oh, you know, okay, I can skip church, you know, or, you know, I can just go somewhere else for a while because nothing's going to happen well, a lot's going to happen in those six months, and I'm excited. I hope, I hope you'll get excited, too. Now, as we mentioned, today's Mother's Day. Three weeks from now, I think it's Memorial Day. Two weeks after that is Father's Day. Two weeks after that is the 4th of July. I want to let you know ahead of time, those are all good. They're all worthy of our contemplation, but we've got too much work to do to stop and do a special you know, thing uh, on those days to glorify those holidays, okay? Uh, we, will, we will acknowledge them, uh, but they're not going to be the focus of our worship service. Um, there are some very important truths that we need to explore in these three series that I'll be doing. Having said that, I do today want to look at some women in the Bible, because it's Mother's Day, okay? And... Uh, I want to look at how they worshiped Christ. And through their example, maybe we can get an idea how we can do a better job of worshiping. Did you know that many of Jesus' disciples were women? Did you know that? Over in, uh, in, in Matthew chapter 14, verse 21, it talks about the women that were in the crowd. 
when Jesus was preaching. It says there were about 5,000 men who ate, aside from women and children. There were women that were following Jesus around during his earthly preaching. Now, I use the word disciple, and maybe that confused some of you, thinking, well, no, there's only 12 disciples. No, there was an inner circle of 12 men that we call the 12 apostles. But the word disciple just means a follower. Jesus had thousands of disciples, men and women, who followed him around. Now, if you know much about the geography of the Holy Lands, you know that Galilee is up here, that's in the north. And Jerusalem's down here, that's down in the south. Okay, and there's 50, 60 miles difference, I guess, you know, between the two. And the verse we read in Matthew here, Jesus is up in Galilee, okay? And these are women from the local villages and areas around there, and they came out to hear him teach. If you go to Mark chapter 15, beginning in verse 40, we have a change in location. The location is no longer up in Galilee. Now Jesus is down in Jerusalem. It says, there were also women looking on afar off, among whom were Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James, the less, and Joseph, and Salome, whom also, when he was in Galilee, followed him and ministered unto him, and many other women which came up with him unto Jerusalem. So, you have the setting here that there are women who are following Jesus, not just when he's in their location, but they're going down to Jerusalem. Now, notice it says they went up to Jerusalem. Okay, um, in the Bible, up means elevation. For us Westerners, up means north. You know, we're going up to Bellingham. You know, we're going down to Oregon. No, you know, for them it's, you know, we're, we're going up to Mount Hood. Well, no, that's down according to us. No, it's up. It's a higher elevation. So Jerusalem's a higher elevation. The women came up with him to Jerusalem. Now, they did not have Uber. They did not have Lyft or Amtrak. They hoofed it, okay, out of their location, and they're following Jesus all those miles to Jerusalem. Jesus had a lot of women who were faithful disciples of him. Now, it's a shame today that the world views Christianity as being down on women. Jesus was never down on women. Many of his followers were women. So today I want to look at a couple of those women who followed Jesus and see what we can learn, see how they, how they worshipped, how they encountered, what they did. And I'm going to use the two prime examples. I'm sure you already know about them, Mary and Martha. So let's look at Martha first of all. And for that we're going to go to Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. Now, as they were traveling along, he entered a certain village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary, 
And moreover, who moreover was listening to the Lord's word seated at his feet. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only a few things are necessary. Really, only one. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. So before we rag on Martha, let's look at her strengths, okay? She had some good strengths here. First of all, she was known as a hospitable homemaker. Now, hospitality in that culture was a necessity. It was a social requirement. If somebody came to your house, you had to give them food, you had to give them water, you had to give them a play of some rest, you had to give them some shade out of the heat. And Martha knew that that was something she had to do. In fact, it was considered shameful to turn anybody away from your door. Apparently, Martha's family met this requirement very well. Another good thing about Martha, Martha believed in Jesus. Mary and Martha both loved Jesus. They were both excited to have Jesus into their house. Both of them wanted to please Jesus. There's no lacking there on Martha's part. Another strength of Martha, Martha had a strong desire to do everything right. John was just alluding to that with the worship band. You know, they want to do everything right. Uh, Jesus was worthy of the best, so Martha wanted nothing but the best for him. And Martha was a detailed person. This morning, there are Martha-type personalities here, men and women. You love God? You desire to please God? You, you really want everything to be done exactly right? You want nothing but the best for him in your life? You're a Martha. Let's look at Martha's weaknesses for a minute. Jesus said that Martha was overly concerned with details. In her zeal for everything to be perfect, she made the other people around her feel uncomfortable. Had to be just perfect. And people who didn't do it perfect, well, she just didn't have time for them. She found it difficult to relax. She found it difficult to, to just enjoy her guests. I'm seeing some elbows going out here, okay? She, she, she was so busy doing things for Jesus, she didn't have time to enjoy Jesus. And then she expected others to agree with her priorities because she wanted everything perfect 
and was kept constantly busy trying to make everything perfect, she couldn't stand it that other people were sitting around doing nothing. She could not accept that her sister Mary would not cooperate with her in the preparations for taking care of Jesus and his entourage. She expected everyone else to be like her. Another thing about Martha, she tended to feel sorry for herself when her efforts were not recognized or appreciated. Her frustration smoldered within her. And it grew into a little flame. And then it burst out. And, and her frustrations grew so big that finally she brought them to Jesus' attention. Now what she's trying to do is to use Jesus as a weapon against her sister. Okay? She's trying to manipulate Jesus into being on her side. Surely, Jesus would side with her against the laziness of her sister, Mary. She has strengths. She has weaknesses. Martha, Martha just kind of in a summary here, was, was showing love to Jesus by serving him. I don't know if you're familiar with the five languages of love or not. If you're not, you ought to read the book. Okay, it, 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 especially if you're married, because you need to know what your spouse's love language is. Okay, five languages of love are words of encouragement, quality time, gifts, serving, and physical touch. Now, my primary love language is serving. My spiritual gift is teaching. So, how do I serve? I serve by using my spiritual gift of teaching. Now, I also show love by helping other people, doing acts of service, you know. But, but the main way is I serve by teaching. The Bible talks a lot about loving others by serving them. It's interesting, if you read what happened just before what we read about Mary and Martha? Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan. Now, what is the point of the parable of the Good Samaritan? Well, the point is the man who loved his neighbor is the one who served him by taking care of him. So he's saying, the way you show love is by serving. And then immediately you get into this Mary-Martha discourse. And Martha is doing that very thing. She's showing love by serving. But Jesus says there's something better than that. Something better. What can we learn about worship from Martha? I think one thing we can learn is getting caught up in details can make us forget the main reason of our service, of our service. 
Sometimes we can get so caught up in doing things that we forget that the Christian life is first and foremost about a relationship. A relationship with God. Do you know who has the hardest time worshiping on Sundays? It's the people who are involved in the service, in serving. 50 years of ministry, and I can tell you that it's hard to worship when you're serving. Now, I'm going to use an example. I hope I don't get in too much trouble. Jeremy and Bethany are back there serving this morning. Okay? Jeremy makes me sound good. Okay, she's got that bass up a little bit, you know, so I sound that squeaky, you know. And, and, you know and, and Bethany, she's back there. She's keeping the slides in the right order. And when I go off my notes like I am right now, she's looking frantically, trying to figure out, should she be on the next slide or not? You know, they're back there serving. The worship band, they're up here serving. The focus tends to be on getting everything right. Okay? Why? Well, because they don't want it to be a distraction during the service. Jeremy doesn't want the volume so low you can't hear me, or so loud that it's blasting you out of the chair, or God forbid, forbid feedback, feedback, screech, you know. They don't want to be be a distraction. Bethany doesn't want to be two lines behind in the song, and we're all going, well, what are we supposed to be singing now? You know, they don't want to be a distraction to the service. But we can get so caught up in the details that we forget to worship. There's a proper time to listen to Jesus and a proper time to serve Jesus. There's nothing wrong with serving God. But before service has to come worship. There must be spending time with God. There must be learning about God. Mary, we're going to see in a minute, she's the one who sat and listened to Jesus. Martha was so upset with Mary because Mary just chose to sit and listen. People who serve in the church. And it's been my experience that, you know, 80, 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work, you know, the old 2080 thing. And the tendency is that the people who are doing so much of the work tend to look down upon those who are just coming and listening. And that should not be because there are people who just need to come and listen before they serve. We need to spend time with God. We need to seek the face of Jesus, not not just do working for him. Now, don't let that stop you from serving, okay? I I can just see the the elder board going, oh my God. Gosh, nobody's going to serve in the church anymore. They're all just going to sit there and listen. Yeah, no. Well, did Martha learn her lesson? Let's go to John 
chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Jesus, therefore, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And so they made him a supper there. And Martha was serving. But Lazarus was one of those reclined at the table with him. Mary therefore took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Notice what's going on here. Martha is still serving. Mary is still worshiping. What's missing? The complaining. Martha's not complaining. She has said, okay, I know my role. I know what I'm to do. I know what my gift is. I am not going to complain about Mary. And not only does it say that Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, but her brother Lazarus, you know, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, brothers and sisters, Lazarus is also sitting there. So now two of her siblings are sitting with Jesus, and she alone is worshiping. There's nothing wrong with serving. There's a time to serve. If you read a little bit further on, you do, you do hear about someone who's complaining, though. It's Judas. He's complaining about all the money that Mary spent on that perfume that could have been given to the poor, he says. We find out later on he was stealing from the purse. Martha is still serving. Mary is still worshiping. So, is it all even out? I don't think so. Because we have another passage of scripture that talks about Martha, and I think we're gonna see consequences of those who serve without worshiping. Over in John chapter 11, this takes place just a little bit before the John chapter 12 passage. Lazarus, her brother, has died. She sent for Jesus two days earlier. He's in town. Jesus doesn't show up to heal Lazarus. So Martha, finally Jesus shows up and Martha has this discourse with him. She says, Martha therefore said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now, I know that whatsoever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother shall rise again. Martha said to him, I'm going to put my inflection in here as to what I think she said when she said these words. I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even who came into the world. Let's, what's going on here? Let's take a minute and think about it. Martha is having a crisis of theology. Okay? She knows that Jesus could have showed up and healed her, 
her brother, and he didn't. Second, she knows that, that Jesus didn't come in time. She, she, she knows the correct theology about the resurrection and all of that. But did you pick up the bitterness in her voice? Did, did, did you see how accusatory she was of Jesus? And then what happened? Jesus does something that I find completely amazing. The next two verses, 28 and 29. And when she had said this, she went away. Hmm, think about that for a minute. She went away. She'd said her peace, she was gone. Calling Mary her sister, saying secretly, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she, Mary, heard it, she arose quickly and was coming to him. Wow. She leaves. I think in a huff. Okay? And before she walks out the door, Jesus says, I want Mary. I want Mary to come. I want to talk with Mary. Wow. Why did he say that? Is it because Mary was, was, was one that he could personally minister to? Because she was one who sat at his feet and learned from him and knew how much he loved her? Is that why he asked Mary? Or, or is it because uh, Mary would be more receptive to, to his words than Martha? Is it that he wanted to personally minister to the one that just chose to sat at his feet and worship him? And if so, can, can a takeaway from this sermon today be that, that Jesus rewards worshiping? I think Jesus rewarded Mary because she spent time not doing something, but listening and learning and worshiping. How often we get the cart before the horse. What can we learn about worship from Martha and Mary? Well, first of all, spending time quietly listening to the voice of God is not doing nothing. Notice the double negative. Put it in a positive sense. Spending time quietly listening to the voice of God is doing something. Martha didn't see Mary as doing anything. She's doing nothing. She's just sitting there. No. Spending time listening to the voice of God is doing something. In fact, Jesus said it was the one thing. The most important thing. Secondly, being what God wants us to be has to come before doing what he wants us to do. I hope to get to know all of you a lot better over the next six or seven months. I hope to visit all of you, visit with you, talk with you, learn a little bit more about you. I don't know where you are spiritually, okay? 
I don't know where your spiritual needs are. I know some of you, I've talked with some of you. For some of you, just coming and listening and learning of Jesus is what you need. Then maybe you can go on. Others, you're doing that. And now you need to get engaged in serving. Third thing, I think, is time spent in worship with God will be rewarded. I believe God rewards those who worship him just as much as he rewards people who are serving him. Yeah, we can know a lot about God. We can even be busy doing things for God, but still not worshiping God. Those, those people, men and women, who have to be busy all the time doing things can miss out on the best blessing of all. And that's just sitting at the feet of Jesus and learning. In our Western culture, we value busyness. Busyness can be the enemy of godliness. We need to let the work go for a while. We we need to spend some time with God and allow God to transform us because then when the crises of life come along, we don't go to God and accuse him of not caring. The only way to do that is not have some theology in our head. Martha had the theology, but having the love of Jesus in our heart. And that's what worship is. It's learning to love Jesus and then sharing that love with him. I've probably said it five times in this sermon already. I'm excited about the next six or seven months. I'm excited where we're gonna go because I believe God is going to use it to prepare us for the next pastor. And my hope is that when the next pastor comes, we will be a stronger church, not a weaker church during these seven months. Let's pray. I'm going to give you a moment, like I always do, for you to talk to God. No one talking out loud, no one praying out loud. You just talk to God in your heart. Where are you today? Have you, do you understand the love of God? Are you worshiping God regularly? Okay, now let's get serving if you're not already. But if you're not there yet, don't think it's not doing anything by just coming and sitting and listening and learning about how much God loves you. So you just take that moment. You talk to God. Whatever it is you need to talk to him about, you do it now in the quietness of your own heart. Then I'll close in prayer in a moment.
Lord, it's so hard sometimes for those of us who are involved in the serving aspect of the church to, to worship you because we are committed to doing a good job and we're committed to the details. But Father, I pray for all those who are involved in service, whether it be in the children's ministry or the audiovisual or the worship or whatever it is, Lord, I pray for them especially that today they would worship you. And Father, I just pray that you would touch our hearts. Help us, Lord, to understand how much you love us, how much you care about us. And Father, may our love for you grow. And as that love grows, our worship will grow. And then, Father, we will love you because we see how much you first loved us. Thank you for this time. I pray for Pastor Chad, Vanessa, and their kids. Lord, it's a hard time for them. I know I've been there. Help them to see how much we love them. Thank you for this time together, Lord. I pray in Christ Jesus' name, amen.